Welcome to the echoey stairwell at the, uh, what's the name of this gig? Can you remember? We are today. The State Theatre. The State Theatre in Something Falls, Virginia. Uh, uh, Church Falls. Church Falls, Virginia. It's hard after six of eight weeks to remember where we are. This is Steve Kravak, who is the sound guide, not just for the alarm, but for modern English. And occasionally you do Gene Loves Jezebel as well. I do. And I love all three bands, and I'm enjoying working with them all. It's been a tremendous experience. How did you get the gig? Uh, I got the gig because I had been doing some work with Modern English previously. And they had asked me to go out on a couple of small engagements with them in the U.S. And because I like them all as people and enjoy their company, I decided that um, you know to continue working with them. And when this opportunity came up, uh, Mike Peters, I think, basically leaned on them and said... Well, do you know anybody that might be able to do some audio for us on this tour? And, and Mick Conroy, our bass player, said, yeah, we've got a guy. <laughs> you've, you've been conscripted, haven't you? That's I what think, happened. You were called up. I think that that's sort of what happens in the Peters camp, though. Everybody yeah, sort yeah, of gets yeah. conscripted to yeah, a certain degree. I'm still here, yeah. That's right, after 41 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right? you listen, yeah. And I think that there's a good reason for that, though. And I think that's because Mike seems to understand a sense of camaraderie. Yeah. And he seems to understand the value of the people that he surrounds himself with. It's been very heartwarming to be welcomed by his entourage and to have the opportunity to make the acquaintance of everybody he works with because everybody are really fantastic people. I think we'd all say the same about everyone on this tour. I think that You know, you spend that amount of time together in the boiling pot. Yes. It's either going to pop or go really well. And it's going really well. I mean, I'm fed up of saying that, but it's the truth. No, it is the truth. And I think that all, all the bands, when they get on stage each night and they say they thank the other bands and say we're having a good time out here, it's absolutely the truth. It's yeah. absolutely honest. Nobody's blowing smoke. Everybody's had an opportunity to get to know one another over this time period, and everybody is excited to come to work every day and be surrounded with the same group of people. Let's talk technical. Certainly. The Alarm is not an easy band to do. You've got an awful lot going on stage. You've got bass players who play guitar, bass players who play bass pedals. You've got acoustic guitars, which are also electric guitars. You've got a man who uses three microphones on the front line to sing. What's the most tricky element of what you have to do then? I think for me, um, part of the trickiness is balancing what we would call the traditional rock band with the loop tracks that are, the alarm uses on several songs. Yep. And that is to say there's some, some looped bass, some keyboards, and a little bit of drum machine that kind of fall in. And I have to find a way to wedge that into what otherwise we would normally just call an organic rock band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I find finding that placement challenging each night. And I really have to find that I have to focus on that and keep on my toes to make sure that that blend happens and sounds uh, impactful but at the same time that it doesn't overcome the uh, regular instrument, rock and roll instrumentation that we come to expect on the stage. Yeah. So that has been one of the biggest challenges for me. There's two elements that I would say is a trademark of your sound of the alarm. You get a killer drum sound. It's like the, the Third World War when Smiley hits the drums. And I love what you do with Mike's vocals now. You're messing with delays and, and reverbs. How, how much are you enjoying that? What do you do? Tell me. Right, so as far as the Smiley end of things, really that comes down to having a great drummer who knows how to hit the drums precisely and knows how to play with dynamics. Uh, Smiley's a hard hitter, but when he draws it back, we can sense the dynamic. When he digs in, we can sense it. So he's kind of driving the bus 
for everybody, really. He's kicking everybody in the pants, sort of. That makes it a lot easier because he knows what he's doing. At that point, what it is is just going for pure tones and making sure that things cut, especially in these bigger halls that are kind of barn-like and you get a lot of reverb just from the hall itself, you know? So at that point, you're being focused on honing in on good tones, making sure stuff isn't too loud, it's not getting out of control and driving the room crazy, overstimulating the room, but in a place that is impactful, is present, and is comfortable. On the vocal side of things, um, when I started these dates with Alarm, I was definitely more on the conservative side. I don't use any reverb, actually, on Mike's vocal at all. I use a short slap delay, much like Elvis would have used back in the day, and why I use that is because these songs are upbeat and they move along pretty quick and they're very wordy. Mike has a lot to say. When you start soaking things in reverb, they start sinking into it uh, yeah. and you don't get the impact. The slap delay makes a quick shimmer and it gets out of the way and it lets you hear what the man has to say. And I'm all about making sure that the audience each night is connecting to those lyrics because if they're not they're missing the whole enchilada. That's really what it's about. Now, as we've gone along, Mike has encouraged me to step up and come off the, the sidelines a little bit and use some more pronounced delay effects for certain songs. And for instance? Uh, well, um, one of them is Strength, where he was pretty insistent about, hey, I hear key spots here that, that the delay should come into play. And uh, I also find it sort of works good on the down-tempo numbers. I like to use the long delay as well when it works with lyrics. To me, delay always sounds like water running down a hill. So if there is a lyric about water, then the delay is going to be on it. If there's a lyric about empty streets, the delay is going to be on it. I want to almost transport the listener in a cinematic way. Right. And with the effects, add an environment that complements the lyric. Yeah. When I'm adding effects, I'm always thinking about not that goes here. I'm thinking about what lyric does it go on and what uh-huh. lyric does it help elevate within the set. It's not something that's just done willy-nilly yeah, yeah. or at, you know, oh, just throw it here or throw it there. It doesn't work that way. It's like a cake. You know, you put a few roses in the right spot. You do the outline, the icing in the right spot. But you don't goop the stuff all over the place. That would ruin it. It would ruin it, absolutely. What's your background? You are a studio producer. I am a studio producer. I've been making records since I was about 20 years old. I'm 55 now, so I've been doing that for about 35 years. Uh, Pop punk is the genre that most people know me from. Uh, I've done records for Less Than Jake, for MXPX, for uh, Blink-182, a lot of the bands that folks know from that sort of 90s pop punk era are groups that I've worked with and um, I still do that. The other side of me is my uh, recording artist persona which is known as Stephen Bradley and I will be releasing my debut solo record on September 27th on Porterhouse Records and it's sort of a Matthew Sweet meets Elvis Costello oh. meets Neil Young oh. meets Nick Lowe power, oh. power pop outing so I would encourage everybody to go, go over to porterhouserecords.com and listen to the record in the Stephen Bradley uh, media player 
Steve, I think we'll finish with that advert brought to you by our sponsors. Man, I'm enjoying this tour, and very much thanks to you and your efforts out there. Gareth, it's been wonderful to work with you every day, and each night that you come out on the stage and get the ball rolling, I know and I feel in my heart that you're guiding us like you're our North Star. Well, I don't know about that. I think I'm just holding the compass, pointing at the North Star. <laughs> Mike's the North Star. There you go. See, love you, man. Thank love you, you very much. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, don't, this is such a love fest. Oh, it is. I'm going to do in a couple minutes. Thanks, You're welcome, Steve. I'm out in the lobby at the moment. People are coming in at the uh, State Theatre here in Falls Church, Virginia. And I'm standing alongside the merchandise desk where Jeff, who is not just our merchandise, but is the main driver of the bandwagon. I can't see how I can interview Jeff at the moment because he's right in the middle of selling some merchandise. But let's just see if I can get a comment from him. Which is 30 US. Is that what you, is that what they, oh, they're charging it down. Yeah, this, this card reader is hooked to their accounts back in the UK. He's in the middle of a transaction. I don't know how much merchandise the alarm sell every night, but judging by the number of people in alarm t-shirts, it's a lot. He's literally sliding a customer's card through a card reader to take payment. Jeff, you're too busy for an interview right now, aren't uh, you? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Listen, can I talk to you later? Can I have yeah, ten minutes I'm with not you? That way. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. I'll leave you to it. Yeah. He's busy. But before the end of this episode, I promise you, we'll talk to the remarkable, good-natured, hard-working placid Wisconsin born hooligan who pilots the vehicle all over America for the alarm you're going to love Jeff a bit of uh, hubbub for you in the room it's now looking at my watch quarter to eight and Gene Loves Jezebel are going to be on in 15 minutes, which means I need to stop recording this, get the band together and go and stand at the side of the stage to introduce the first act tonight to this expectant audience. Because, as you know, I'm not just the podcaster on this tour, but I'm also running the meet and greet where people come in before the show and uh, meet Mike and he plays a few songs and I encourage him to tell some stories and even get to play tambourine and sing backing vocals with Mike so uh, I'm almost a member of the band but not quite and then as soon as it's time to bring the bands on I introduce every single band and at the end of the evening I'm packing kit away I'm loading the truck and then unpacking the truck and bringing it in and making myself part of this crew as well but right now I have to go I'm going to sneak out through the side door will the alarm go off? let's see if I open this door will the alarm go off? no, good right I can sneak outside put my recorder back in the bus and then alright man, thank you I've just let myself through a security chain thank you security guard putting that back I'll put this recorder down and go and do my proper job of introducing the bands see you in a bit okay it's two days 
since I last recorded a piece for this episode of the podcast. Two days where I've been trying to get hold of Jeff to do an interview. Jeff is our merchandise and, as you know, very much the lead driver on this tour. But Jeff's always busy. He's either in the cab driving through the night or selling merchandise or asleep because that's what you would do if you worked as hard as him. But right now, he's in the trailer. So it is your domain, Jeff, isn't it, the trailer? I came all the way down here to hide from you. <laughs> I knew it. Shame on you, Dr. Jones. You run a good show in this trailer. How do you like to organise your pack, sir? What? How do you like to organise your pack in here? Because you're very methodical, Jeff, in the way that you operate. Uh, <laughs> you are. How do you put pause on that? No, I'm not going to pause anything. You get to edit this part out. Yeah, of course. I don't know. It's got to fit in here. That's about, like, it. Right? Um, how much... You have a talk with the uh, Peters family about bringing those bicycles along that we never used. True. We've got a bike in the back here. I like the way that you've rigged up a sort of temporary wardrobe department here. You put a beam in the ceiling of this trailer where we can hang my two kilts and the four stage outfits for the band. That's, that's detail, mate. Detail. That's riding the scooter down the road till they found stakes in the ground, marking off something, and I stole one and I screwed it to the ceiling. You see, I love the so fact that you <laughs> so that hang your stuff. Off. Yeah, I'm genius, but I love the fact that a you even considered that because you're fed up of picking our clothes up off the floor in the trailer, and well, b guess, you know if you guys don't mind picking it up off the floor, I should like not let it bother me, probably right, but. <laughs> But you bought your scooter as well. I love that your scooter is like the shuttlecraft on the USS Enterprise. You can go on away missions from it. It's a motor scooter. He rides off. Put this in public, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's all about. People want to know what we do. We do. Listen, tell me, what are your responsibilities? What's your chief responsibilities on this tour? Serious question. To drive, right? Yeah, you that do. Would be dri- you, driving is what I'll take credit for. You do ninety percent of the driving. How hard is it? Well, I wouldn't say that, but well, it's not fun. There's an interesting uh, concept to that, isn't there? That you, much less, you know, all members of the alarm are in the back of that thing. And imagine if something were to happen. I still have, you know, occasional panic attacks about that. That you know, imagine if some accident were to happen. It doesn't have to be even. Your fault as a driver, right? There's all kinds of crazies out on the road, right? People on their phones, people drinking, people oh, not paying attention. Yeah, whatever the case is, right? Yeah. But imagine something were to happen while you're driving. It's a huge so, response. I mean, I'm used to this rig. You know, I don't mind driving it even. Well, I do. It's annoying. But, you know, I can drive the thing and everything. I'm not afraid of the size of the vehicle and all that kind of stuff anymore. But that that is a, that creeps in there once in a while that... You know, you guys are all in the back of this thing. And so if something were to happen, right? Imagine, Dr. Jones. Imagine <laughs> some such a thing, right? Love the way you call me Dr. Jones. I love that. <laughs> Listen, how, tell me, or tell them, how did you end up working for the alarm? How, how did that even begin? That gets asked once in a while, and I'd have to sit and think. I don't even know. I don't even remember, to be honest with you. Not that it's that hard, but I just... I don't know. There was, like, one time I saw him. You know, I know Mike from Big Country Days when he, you know, when he sang with those guys. So and you, I was all over on that tour with them. You weren't working for Big Country. No, you, I wasn't even fan. working, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a creepy, you know, <laughs> yeah, chasing him around. And then uh, that's how I got to know Mike well enough. Then somewhere I met him when he was doing a solo tour. 
you know, he came by where I live on the solo tour and then, you know, hung out with him there. And then must have been the year after or something, I was with them up in Minneapolis, and then I drove the RV they had. So if that gets the sense that you're able... See, you shouldn't even be telling people this. you got to edit this out. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. <laughs> I'm going to keep a close eye on yeah. the doctor's <laughs> Listen, off. tell me about the but, merchandise. But that was side. probably why. That, That's okay. probably why. Tell me about the merchandise side of your... Hey, that pays gig. your PDs, buddy, right there, yes, doesn't it? it does, yes. Thank you very okay. much. I <laughs> yeah, ate your welcome. T-shirt Mine revenue too. today. I do, I thank myself for it. How many shirts do we sell a night? Any idea? Oh, man. Roughly? No, hundreds? Okay. Uh, I bet. Okay. Doing doing some of the math really quick here. Uh, no, I, I guess it wouldn't be quite that much. It wouldn't be hundreds, but... You know, I'll bet easily, you know, 50 on average, maybe, and, and some some more, and yeah, and sometimes depending less, on the size of the venue, yeah, yeah, size of the venue, how many people, all that, yeah. And what are the people that you deal with like to deal with? Are they all perfectly fine, or are there some tricky customers? <laughs> what if they hear this? They, they'll never <laughs> what hear if this. If you play this for them and they come and. Nobody listens to sleep violence on me. Uh, well, it depends, right? It always gets more interesting the later it gets, right? Yeah. <laughs> the more alcohol consumed. Is that right? You have to deal with drunk people, of course. Yeah, especially at the end, right? Imagine after you're like three quarters packed up and stuff, and then somebody comes up and desperate to get a shirt, and and the customers are always <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, you. I, I don't think there's been a time where I've said absolutely no way. We're done. You're too late. I, I don't think I've done it yet. Good but. man. <laughs> Over delivery. It doesn't happen much, but yeah. And listen, I've got to thank you because the first time I was asked or expected or offered to drive this truck, you sat alongside me and was my advice and co-pilot and calming influence. And I was terrified. Was Really? Yeah, I drive a lot of things, but I've never driven something 45 foot long with a 15 foot trailer. Yeah. That was quite an experience on the wrong so, side of the road. So after your 10 minutes of training, then we promptly, yeah. on your next uh, yes. driving stint, put you in the worst weather we had on the, on the smallest mountainous roads that yes. we had. And I still brought it home After your 10 minute training class. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, 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 what's the best and the worst thing about being on this alarm tour? Would you recommend it to people? What sort of person does it require to be? Ooh, there's a lot of people answer that. I mean, you know, what am I doing, really, I guess? Ask the other guys that one. All right. They're they're more vital than I am, right? I other people could drive this thing, and anybody, you know, I'm often told anybody can do merch, so... I don't think there's anyone more vital than any one of us on this tour, least of all you. Because you just take care of the almost impossible task of reversing trailers into gigs, getting us there on time. Andy can do that, though. Andy does all that. Yeah, but you do it at least 80% of the time. Jeff, on behalf of all of us on the tour, thank you, my friend. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. John. Thank you, but no thank you for that microphone. See, I did get an interview. Yeah, see, I did my best to hide from you. He's never going to get away from this podcast. That's it. You'll be listening to The Alarm Entourage. Meet the crew edition. You've met the crew. Terrible people. Every single one of them. Including me. See ya.